this comes back into the mindset. If we're so stiff and rigid all the time and not moving, well, when you have the chance to think out of the box or maybe take that um, adventure you wanted to take or say that thing you wanted to say, you now feel confident in being able to do that mm. because you're able to understand the flexibility. Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fan podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. I help spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the universe. Today on the show, we have Casey Morrow, the neuroscience holistic health practitioner. Welcome to the show, Casey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Carolina? I am doing really, really good. I'm just in Spain, enjoying the sun and the palms around me. I'm just uh, feeling really amazing and super excited to talk to you about, especially about other topics that we're going to touch upon. But before we jump into these topics, I would love to uh, ask about your story. What has inspired you to become the health practitioner, uh, to do what you're doing? What has inspired you also to work with cacao as a medicine? I would love to uh, hear your story behind, you know, why you got to do what you're doing right now. I think that's a loaded question, but a very good one at that. I continually being curious. I've been curious my whole life, apparently. That's what I was told when I was very little. I would always ask why, and they'd be like, oh, here she goes again. And <laughs> so I grew up a dancer. I still am a dancer through and through. That is my, my soul as a dancer. And so being a dancer, you're obviously very curious in the somatic sense and in your body all the time. And then slowly that leaks into nutrition because nutrition fuels you. And you get injured a lot being a dancer, the way I was doing it anyway, running around New York City, dancing way more than my body wanted to, not giving myself the proper nutrients or rest or self-care that I needed. And then eventually got burnt out and wondered why I kept getting injured and sick every time I had a little bit of a break. Um, that definitely was a big part of the reason I began Breathe, Move, Recover and finding ways to help myself so I didn't always have to run into doctors all the time. And I didn't like the way doctors were handling things either. But that aspect also paired up very well with my um, love for math and science. Academically, I'm such a math and science person. I always have been. I thought I was going to be a doctor when I grew up, a dancing doctor. And, you know, my family, my school, their case is going to be a doctor. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to be a dancer first. And if there's time, I'll be a doctor. But sure, go ahead. Say what you choose on that. But I was always very much interested in um, the inner workings of the body from a, a molecular perspective as well. And so I went on to continue to study biology and neuroscience in college. And then alongside studying it in the books, I happened to get my first concussion. So I got to live through quite the experience with the brain and traumatic injury in that sense. So I was, I was dancing, of course, and I was like really going for it. And we went down and you just smash your head down this way. But I like literally smashed my head down onto my knee and got a concussion. But as a dancer, if you hurt yourself, you keep going. You don't stop. And I was like, it's fine. I'll be fine. Keep dancing. And then I um, went back, somehow made it back to my apartment. And I was, at the time I was living in New York City. And my roommate was like, your eyes are dilating funny. You need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I was in an off-Broadway show at the time as well. So I was like, you can't be hurt right now. You cannot stop moving. And... Eventually, I went to the hospital, and the hospital looked at me, and they're like, well, you're not blacked out. We can't help you. Sorry. And I was like, all right, I'm going home. And so I just had headaches all the time, and I thought it was from being under stage lights. And then I happened to go to Vegas in that time frame as well, and Vegas is just huge lights all the time. And then about three months later, I was at a dance rehearsal, and I had a part where I had to jump on my partner and bear hug him and then spin around in a circle and then drop back upside down. So that's a lot of brain movement, obviously. And I remember after that rehearsal, or like towards the end of it, I was like, mm, I think I'm going to throw up. And this is, yeah, three months after I'd got my concussion. So I didn't know what this was from, right? Somehow again, made it back to my apartment. I lied down on my bed and just like my body was done. I called my parents from New Jersey and I was like, the world is spinning. I can't, I 
can't get out of my bed. And that moment I was like, all right, I guess we're getting an abrupt halt right now to life, to dance, to everything, to school, all the things. And so I remember my mom and I think my grandma came upstairs. They literally walked up five flights of stairs, scooped me up out of my bed, and had to carry me down five flights of stairs to my apartment, put me in the car and brought me home to New Jersey. And they just lied me out of my bed. And I remember my parents just looking at me like, you don't know what to do. It's a Sunday night. You can't go anywhere. But I just felt like the, the world just kept spinning and spinning and spinning. And so the next day I went to my neurological chiropractor that I had gone to, like when I was little, my family used him. And he looked at me and he was like, you have a concussion. He's like, you've had a concussion for three months and whiplash. And it was never taken care of. Because the hospital was like, you're not passed out. We can't help you. But here's a $100 bill because you walked in the door. And I was so angry because, number one, the way the system handled it. And number two, because I obviously was ignoring signs from my body that I needed a break. And I wasn't, I just kept pushing through, as we do, right? We find other things that are more important than ourselves. And so I went and got an MRI to make sure there was no bleeding Whoa. in the brain or any of that. And that came back clear. But I was still nauseous and dizzy every single day. Like, I would turn my head and my body would keep spinning and I'd feel like I want to throw up. And so the neurologist that was reading my um, my MRIs, he's like, okay, you know, there's no vascular damage. Um, and I was like, okay, but I still feel nauseous every single day. And I'm a dancer. Like I spin a lot. I live in New York city. The subway is a lot of movement. And he's like, well, here's some vertigo pills and you should probably stop dancing. <laughs> it took all of my might not to want to punch him in the face and, and cry at the same time. He literally just told me to stop living my life and take some pills. And at that moment, I was like, no, 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 that's not an option. And I was studying. I thought I wanted to be a neurologist, right? I loved the brain. I love science. I love all the information that we have from it. But the way he handled it turned me off completely. I was like, there's got to be another way. And I never went back to him again. I threw the script for my vertigo pill prescription away and never used them, obviously. And that was a huge catalyst for me to not take no for an answer. I don't like to do things I don't want to do. <laughs> I will make it work. And I, so I was working with my chiropractor at the time because I had the whiplash as well and I would go to his office often and get adjusted and do all of like my brain exercises following the finger and getting the muscles the big muscle groups of our body right there's a lot of feedback that goes to our brain and I hit my cerebellum which is your like your vestibular system your balance center your internal um you know temperature all that kind of stuff I didn't hit like the the English section or the spelling section I hit the balance portion of my life, which is my life as a dancer. And so it takes a lot of time to reactivate and re-stimulate that area to get it working properly again. And so by moving your body, dance is actually incredibly helpful with brain injuries, right? Because you're sending signals, these big muscle um, spindle fibers in like your arms and your legs are sending signals up to the brain to be like, come on, let's keep working. And for it to rehab itself, you have to use it. If you just let it sit there and don't rehab it, it's like, you know, if you um, break a bone, if you don't do any rehab, it's just going to heal and it's not going to get any stronger. The muscles around it aren't going to get any stronger again. You actually actively have to do something. And so I, um, that whole summer I was, you know, doing all of my brain stuff and trying to balance on one leg and noticing if I spin one direction, I have to spin the other direction to balance it back out. But eventually I came to, you know, a place where I didn't have to be going to um, the chiropractor every single day and I could go back to New York and read my school books again and use the computer. Luckily we weren't on phones as much back then, but we still were using them enough where it would cause quite an issue. So springing forward to that really being my personal experience with how I didn't like the way the Western medicine was treating these symptoms and these foundational causes 
of things that are happening inside of us and trying to just put band-aids over the top of it. And I found relief through doing kind of this, my own protocol with the help of my chiropractor, right? And it was very functional. It was very doing. And it was using the things we have around us, like our food. Um, later, I found breath work. And um, again, later on, I found cacao. And, but all of these different pieces together formed the protocol that I needed to be able to move forward and still do today because I've continued to get concussions throughout my life. And I just got one about two weeks ago. And so now I have to set my protocol again specifically for me at this time. And I've been able to further study yoga and yoga therapy when I moved to California and learn the breath work from the yogic perspective and be, wow, this is really similar to um, the neurological system and the positive effects that we can have on these different systems. They don't always explain it that way in yoga, but they knew very well what they were doing, right? So having the molecular science behind it of knowing what happens to the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system and the different systems of the body when we are in a fight or flight state or a rest and digest state. Well, we know which breathing practices calm us down. So, wow, that's a great one to do if we're super flustered or if we're really tired and we have to get ourselves going for a performance or to get through, um, you know, a presentation or something. Well, by all means, then we need to do more of an activating breath. And it's a balance between the two. Because if we do one too much, we're going to notice we're going to feel a little off over here and we got to figure out how to balance it back out. And depending on our starting point, it's depending on which protocol is going to work best for us. For, you know, if somebody is um, super high sprung all the time, well, they're going to need more common breath to bring them back into balance. And they're going to eat um, different foods depending on um, their constitution from I studied Ayurveda as well. So if someone is a super earthy person, well, yeah, they're going to better be able to live off of like salads and the vegetables and all that. But if you're Vata like me, super airy, I need like meat and warm, heavy, unctuous foods in my body at all times. So maybe, you know, a juice fast isn't the best for me. People love to talk about, oh, I'm so healthy. I juice all the time. Yeah, maybe that's okay for you for a little while. But for me, that would send my blood sugar skyrocket high and I wouldn't have enough nutrients to get through the day. And see, so this is where really looking and under the microscope to the details of these different things we know to be we're like, oh my gosh, you eat meat? I thought you were healthy. I was like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and again, that's that's for me. And there's a lot of people who I've been able to help who are very similar to me, or even if you're completely different than me, I understand this concept of everyone is incredibly unique. And so what foods are going to work for you may be very different than the foods that are going to work for your significant other. And this becomes a thing when people, you know, you're married to somebody and you're like, what do you want for dinner? Well, you're going to want to share a meal. But if you're two completely different body types and you have two different um, health situations going on, eating the same thing might not be the greatest. Mm. And we need to look at these details and go into the science and the nitty gritty, not just be like, oh, kale is healthy for us. Yeah, I understand that. Although it's pretty interesting that you say that as Vata, you need some like meat and whatever, because I'm Vata as well. And I feel the best while I'm vegan. Like it's the best, not even comparable to when I was vegetarian. I feel like veganism is just the best thing that has ever happened to me. So again, it boils down to everyone is an individual and you got you got you just gotta try a few different things and then see what works for you because for for someone that has even the same uh, constitution in ayurveda and maybe the same whatever else it might not work in the same way and so uh, you need to just try it out for yourself because we are so different with and everything affects us like all the energies where we are from i even uh, think affects us because then there is another energy and our ancestors and all these things so um we need to just look at how we feel and just try it for ourselves so uh, yeah thank you so much for sharing your story it's really really cool uh, how you were able to bring yourself back to balance uh, in all these different ways really by just not doing the classical or you know mainstream uh, medicine but actually finding your own medicine for yourself um so i'm super curious what so what exactly did you do to get out of this uh, ailment let's say so what what have you practiced like have you uh, practiced like these neurological exercises and have you changed your diet 
diet at the time or mm -hmm. how did so, it uh, play um, out for you? This is, well, this is like a, I was 21 when I had my, yeah, because I was able to legally drink and got a concussion. And I was like, I don't, I don't like alcohol. I don't want to drink. I feel nauseous and dizzy all the time. <laughs> uh, so, well, this is like a 10, 12 year span now that we're speaking from. And I currently with a, I got a concussion about two weeks ago now. And what works best for me is anti-inflammatory everything. And inflammation is, I say, the basis for most disease that we come across and most symptoms, right? Whether we have a chronic disease like celiac or rheumatoid, or if we truly just, you know, got like we banged our elbow and got an injury, we have local inflammation. The best thing we can do for our body is to help lower that inflammation because inflammation in one area is going to cause stress on the body and cause inflammation in another area. And the biggest two areas, inflammation in the gut is absolutely going to result in inflammation in the brain. And what happens in our gut, we produce 90% of our serotonin in our gut and that's, you know, we call our happy hormone. If we do not have good gut microbes happening in here and our cells are inflamed and we have leaky gut and all of these things, that is affecting our serotonin level. Mental health right now is huge, right? Anxiety and depression. I would say most people complain more about anxiety and depression these days than low back pain, which used to be like the big thing. It still is, don't get me wrong. But these mental instabilities that we're having and fluctuating, we're unable to handle. If we just got a hold of the inflammation in our body, our mood will absolutely change. You feel better, right? You don't feel heavy and stuck and gross. And if you want to move your body, it's not like, oh, I need some WD-40 in my shoulder. And that inflammation is going to help protect our brain cells. Because our, our neurons, you know, once we have what we have and we're born with those, they're not going to, we can't make new neurons right so the connections can change that's for sure that's neuroplasticity changing the connections but there's certain things that just aren't going to come back or like the the cells that clean up all the debris and stuff in our brain once they are flagged for oh my gosh trauma they're not going back to their normal resting state so they're constantly using more energy than they would have because they're constantly on high alert and that, again, they're never going to go back to their, everything is perfectly fine all the time. And then they just, you know, come and do their thing when they need to. And so with that being said, um, for me, an anti-inflammatory diet is very much meat and vegetables. And I can, I've been able to introduce nuts and seeds back in a bit and lots of fats. So avocados, olive oil, ghee, ghee is excellent. I love my ghee that butyrate in there right so that's feeding our good gut microbes as well um what else did i eat? ice cream <laughs> ice cream just solves everything <laughs> no i wouldn't recommend that but uh I'm, I'm being completely honest ice cream is something that i i was like if i'm gonna have dairy right now am i gonna have a ton of sugar i'm doing it through good quality homemade ice cream from my favorite ice cream place here in new jersey because you do need to live a little here like there's something to it, right? Because if we deprive ourselves too much, we're going to then just splurge at some point. Or you slowly get quite a little angry. Like you need some sweetness in your life. And when I, I wasn't doing sugar at all. So, um, and I felt great the first day that I didn't have any sugar. Because I was normally, you know, in the past I'd have like gluten-free sprouted oats for breakfast with some protein powder and put some nuts and my berries on top and some manuka honey right and it was great for me I loved it it was like dessert for breakfast but that's very carbohydrate heavy and that's very inflammatory for the body even if it's healthy good quality um, even gluten-free stuff has another protein and that's quite similar to gluten and it's a large molecule so it's gonna cause inflammation when the body goes to break it down again this isn't necessarily good or bad our body knows how to handle inflammation but if you are very sensitive or need to lower your inflammation at the moment, all your gluten-free snacks and treats still might not be the best thing for you. And so I eliminated all that stuff. And first day, it was like fun, right? Because this is new and I'm like, I'm on my way to feeling great again. Second day, I was like, I'm gonna murder everybody that comes in my path because I was going through a withdrawal. We are addicted to sugar. 
we are addicted to carbohydrates as a society. I felt like I was going through a drug withdrawal. I was miserable, absolutely miserable. Then you get to day three and day four and slowly you're like, okay, this is manageable. And you find that you can nourish yourself through other nutrients or get your nutrients in other ways. And I tell to all my clients who are looking to um, either lose weight or having some, you know, mental disruptions or have a chronic disease, have inflammation. I'm like, all right, let's look at your diet. And it's usually a very carb heavy diet and carbohydrates. Yes, we need them. But to the degree with which we are eating them and the quality, get rid of it. Get your good quality meats in, eat your vegetables, and if your digestion is not great at the moment because of leaky gut from eating all of these carbohydrate, high sugary foods, well then we're going to make sure we steam and cook our vegetables so they're easier to break down or cover them in oil, like olive oil. So that, again, the raw vegetables are really hard to break down. They have cell walls if you look at under the microscope. We have cell membranes around our cells as humans, right? But plants... They have cell walls, an extra thick layer because they're out in nature and they need to be protected. That is very hard to break down. Like cows, people are like, cows, you know, they are super strong and they just eat grass all day. Yeah, but they also have two stomachs because they have to break down the grass and it's very hard to break down. So this is where they're, again, looking under the microscope and finding the fine details of these diets and things that everyone is promoting. And what works for you may be very different than what works for the other person. I want to be very clear about that because people are like, well, so-and-so did this and it didn't work for me. And it's like, well, they're in a different stage right now. And I couldn't digest raw vegetables for the longest time. And just within the past two months, like I crave my salads now and it's fine. And I totally can. Again, covered in oil and avocado and I have like salmon or my chicken or my steak, whatever I've decided on for the day. And now I'm able to extract my nutrients from these vegetables for once because it was just going right through me. Um, and now I don't need to take as many, you know, there's like fiber supplements and supplement this, supplement that. To think that you'd have to be on supplements the rest of your life is like, hmm, I don't think that's correct. Did our ancestors live off of supplements? You cannot do anything about so. it. You are just sick and Mm, yeah, it's kind of like take pills till the rest of your life because now you have this ailment and now you are done and now you have to take pills every single day, five of them uh, every two or three hours. It's, it's kind of like the same. And I also don't believe that we need to su take supplements all the time. I mean, of course, if someone uh, wants to just uh, aid uh, their health it's good to take some supplements for me for example i feel like um, omega-3 is quite important because i don't eat fish i don't eat seafood i don't eat anything like that so of course it would be probably better for me to supplement it but i also don't supplement it all the time it's like here and there when i just remember uh, to take it then i take it but it's not like oh i gotta have my supplements i gotta because then also yeah. you actually create more resistance within yourself emotionally and more stress for yourself if you're like i have to take my supplements and i was there because i was actually healing my digestive system uh, maybe like two years ago i was um waking up every day with like my stomach or my intestines hurting like hardcore it was really horrible and i of course i healed myself i don't really believe in a normal medicine when it comes to healing i believe in it when it comes to maybe diagnosis but not really like to bring myself uh, back to to the health right so i was just you know doing different herbs and detoxes and fasting and taking probiotics and doing enemas and doing emotional release like hardcore amazing probably like every day at some points you know i had periods when i did it and every single day and and go through so much when it's like i have to take them and like if i didn't then i would get stressed also you know visiting naturopaths and different people and different healers and i had such an attachment to taking them because i was oh i didn't take it at this time or oh, it wasn't and then i was like Oh my God, it brings me more stress and actually more probably acidity in my body and probably like even worse <laughs> things than if I just didn't take it at all and I didn't have the schedule and I didn't have to uh, do this. And of course, I just had to go through my emotions and release it all. And, and afterwards, I, I'm just chill. Um, right now, you know, for the last, I don't know, year or so, I'm super chill about uh, supplementation or whatever. But if I, when I was feeling bad, I felt like, okay, this is my rescue and I have to take it because otherwise I'm going to feel like shit again. And so I have to, I have to. And now I know that it's not the way because if you have this attachment to 
the supplementation or whatever else in life really <laughs> when you feel like you have to and you're stressing out if you don't do it or whatever then it actually is not beneficial for you at all so um, it can actually have a reverse effect to what you actually want to get out of it right and so I learned my lesson you know in a hard way so maybe to all of you who listen who are in this uh, place maybe or having too much attachment to your supplements don't because <laughs> I've been there and it does not work very well <laughs> Oh, I've totally been there again to me, like follow the follow the protocol exactly, right? As as a dancer, I loved learning choreography because you don't have to think. Someone else is telling you what to do. You can literally just spit out and regurgitate what you were just taught. And it's like you hold on to that as the truth. You hold on to that as the answer. But what is that doing to our self-empowerment? Because now we're relying even more and more on somebody else. And like you said, you admit like, an hour you forgot to take a supplement and I'm like oh my god I just reversed all that progress I made right and you get down on yourself for it it's like it's really not that serious like when you have this ability in yourself to be like no I have the powers to heal from within and that's where it comes that's placebo effect right they've given people in studies like water pills and telling them it's like a weight loss pill or something right and they're all of a sudden happier and they're now more excited to go to the gym and walk and do these things. So now that's really where it's coming from, right? And so uh, the movement part, that's huge for me. I am a born and raised mover. I do not sit still well. I'm that person on the plane who's like moving around, trying not to get up, but you do anyway. You like take your leg and you're stretching and doing all these things. But you know what? We're meant to move. We're not meant to sit. Sitting is the new smoking. Sitting is like the worst thing we could do. Stagnation. The, um, just, it's boring. Our bodies are not meant for that. Move around. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I wake up and I move. Whether it's a strength workout or um, if there's waves, I'm going surfing or ballet. I love ballet because it's very, and it's working really well for my vestibular system right now. Um, it aligns you. You're, you're so aware of where every little piece of you are. It's a very somatic experience. So you move throughout the day confident in your own skin. And my back feels great. My hips are aligned, right? You've lengthened through your toes and your arms, and you've activated your core, your stabilizers. I love doing my ballet, my underwear, and socks in my dining room every morning. It's wonderful. I think everyone should do ballet every morning if you're not into anything else. And I, okay, not every morning, like three or four, because then other mornings I'm doing my weight training because I need the weights. I need to feel the gravity. I need to, again, because I'm like super airy up here. I need something to remind me that I'm on this earth right now. So weight training for me, again, humbles me because if there's a weight, you have to have proper posture. You have to have the correct form and you're going to be utilizing all the correct muscles because it's heavy. You can't just use your arm. You got to use your back. So pull-ups, push-ups, deadlifts, kettlebell swings, all of it. And not overdo it. A lot of people overdo it. I'm one of those people who have overdone it and I probably still continue to overdo it at times. Where if your body is tired, it's not a great time to like find your personal best deadlift, right? Maybe it's a day to do ballet where you're not adding extra weight to your body, but you're still moving and engaging. And you will feel so much better after. And so movement for me in the middle of the day, if I've been sitting at the computer having to do a bunch of stuff, I'm going for a walk on the beach for an hour, putting on my headphones, listening to a podcast and going. Because I need that movement to refocus uh, myself. Now the mind is clear, and now I can sit and work again. Or for bloating, a lot of people complain about bloating, and it's just you need to like move stuff around. My sister just had a baby, and you know why do babies get uncomfortable? It's because they can't like walk it off, and you have to like rub their stomachs, and they have these cute little um, warming owl things you can put on their stomach to help get the movement going because they don't have legs to walk to do it. What do we need to do? We just need to go for a walk, and that will make your bloating disappear. For some of you if that's what it's coming from we have to move the spine it's supposed to move right if we don't move it it's going to get stiff and then we calcify both like physically and psychologically if we are injured the body wants to protect itself and it will throw scar tissue all over everything calcification right that's why bone is more than muscle it should have more calcium deposits and all of that so when we have this calcification, this mummifying, it gets very stiff because it doesn't want to get injured, doesn't want change. When they, like, when they put a cast on you, right, what do they do? They want you to keep it stiff so that it can heal. 
But when you take it off, your wrist is like, you know, half the size because you lost all your muscle from not moving it. And now it's time to start bringing it back because otherwise you're going to be stiff and afraid now to move in any different direction. And so this comes back into the mindset. If we're so stiff and rigid all the time and not moving, well, when you have the chance to think out of the box or maybe take that um, adventure you wanted to take or say that thing you wanted to say, you now feel confident in being able to do that because you're able to understand mm. the flexibility and maybe it's kind of unknown and it's a little different. It's a little, you know, wishy-washy. It's not exact, but hey, guess what? You have the uh, wherewithal within you to do it. And so when we do that within our body, if we can find this freedom in our body, well, now that just opened up a freedom of expression in other areas of our life. And so again, that's how all these things tie together. We're breathing, we're moving, then the recovery part of it, again, okay, well, now I want to feel this good all the time. So what food am I going to recover with? I'm going to make sure I get my, you know, eight to 10 hours of sleep, whatever is working for you. And I'm going to do my meditations. I'm going to seek out other people who appreciate me for what I do and not think that I'm like weird or always putting me down or thinking that the world is awful right now. We need to surround ourselves with people who are doing this as well so that we can feel empowered to continue on that path without getting sucked back in. You know, you can go like, people are like, I went on a week-long retreat, and everybody's all kumbaya and happy, and life is wonderful, and you're like, yes, I got this. You get on the plane, you go home, and everyone else is like, oh, everything stinks, I need more money, everything's so expensive, gas, meh, meh, meh. And then you get sucked right back in, because our brains will always go back to what it knows, because that's safe. And it takes a lot of practice to break those neural patterns to make those changes. So yes, we did it for a week and we're all empowered and in it, right? Because you're surrounded by all these people and the momentum is going. But the true test is when you go back to that place that you used to be, are you going to get stuck there again? Or are you going to know for yourself that you want to make that change? And are you going to continue to make those changes to make those changes in your brain through the body? So we're creating new neural pathways because the brain, the way it communicates with um neurons is it sends electrical chemical signals right from cell to cell and it's like a dirt road and the more you go down that dirt road and telling yourself these same thoughts it the road is going to get more easily um, paved and it'll be easier to walk so that's the easy answer now if you want to make a change you're going to have to like cut down some trees maybe do some more excavating and it's not that easy but the more you do it now that's going to be the normal path right so now we've created a new habit and this old path is getting all covered up with dirt again because you haven't used it in a long time. Now you're a new person. Your personality changes. Your choices change. The people you're surrounded by change. Maybe you stand a little taller. You have more confidence. And you can tell it just by the way you're standing because you're not blocking off your heart in a physical manner like this. Right? Our heart is this electromagnetic, um, I don't want to call it a species, but it's a, like a generator. And so when we don't want to share this, what do we do? We do this, naturally. You can tell when someone walks in the room if they're going to be meek and shy or if they're, like, ready to talk to somebody. Just because if you're meek and shy, you're going to want to protect your heart. But when you're like this, you're like, okay, I'm confident enough in myself that whatever you say to me is going to bounce off. It's not going to penetrate through me and bring me down. Slouch from the beginning of my life, really, and I slouch in exact same way as my grandfather. Interesting because um, what I found is that, for example, I am a very uh, confident person in terms of like I don't really, I don't really perceive myself as shy. I'm extroverted, uh, but I and of course I'm working on my heart chakra because there was abandonment wounds and whatever. But everyone always tells me like when I slouch, like my posture is exactly as my grandfather's, and it kind of like. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting for me. So what do you think about slouching itself? Like if, for example, I only work on my posture and my movement and I only work on the physical um, side of it, right? Would then automatically it would affect the way that my heart is uh, opening or uh, whether I work on, let's say, an emotional uh, charge right and the emotional baggage that i have in my heart for example the daddy issues abandonment trauma whatever else there and then my body will kind of respond to it and then open up itself like how do you see it or is it both yep it's a it's a self-feeding system right and there is a genetic component to that as well if genetically we're like oh you look so much like your mom or you look so much like your grandfather yeah it's because we have dna and genetics 
And our bone structures are very much going to be similar to our family. Like if you know you have that in your family, I do as well. My grandpa was very hunched over. And so I am aware of this and like I make sure I do my pull-ups and all my back strengthening exercises because I am predispositioned to have a rounded spine. So you add, you know, like you said, now our epigenetics, our environment and the, um, the things that we've learned and our daily habits to exasperate this. Well, now we've got a couple of layers to work on. And like you said, in yoga, the koshas, all the different layers and I think everything does stem from that, like, emotional relationship place. That's, like, the middle one. And then everything else of that is a symptom of. So for, for you, for example, if you know that this is something genetic, right? Cool. Fair enough. That you can work on physically all day long. But if you're still having an emotional something going on in your heart, well, that's going to win. 80% of the communication from our heart to our brain 80% of the communication goes from the heart to the brain, and only 20% really goes from the brain to the heart. Vice versa, in Western cultures, we are taught that this means everything. Learn more, study more, smarter, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean heart intelligence. And so we have to work on this heart intelligence, listening to this heart intelligence, and it's always there. It's just are we able to allow that information to flow up to our brain then to make the decisions and discernment that we need. So... For you to be able to be doing all these heart, and they call them, you know, heart opening practices or even, you know, it sounds silly, but there's science to it. Heart opening yoga. When you do a back bend and a bridge, you're quite darn vulnerable and you feel it. Why? Because you're revealing your heart center, your chest to the world. Your deepest secrets are being revealed through a vibration, not the words, right? Because you're not necessarily speaking. And... This is where cacao has changed my life, has allowed me to change my life, right? Cacao doesn't have the magical powers. Cacao is just like, reminder, you have it within you. I'm just going to unlock this key on your endocannabinoid receptor. And, oh, you've got some phenethylamine in here and some theobromine. Oh, look at that. You did it all by yourself. And I'm like, cacao, you're the savior. So... This is when using, um, you know, nature, the plant medicine of nature, cacao, which for um, those of you who aren't familiar, cacao is the purest form of chocolate. It comes from the Theobroma cacao tree. So before we get our Hershey's candy bar, it's actually in a tree, in a pod, in little beans. They kind of look like coffee beans, and then they get ground up, or fermented, ground up, and into a paste, and now we have cacao. And then to make chocolate, what they do, they further high heat it, strip it from the delicious healthy fats and you're left with the powder then they add milk and sugar put it into a candy bar and 99% of the world is happy with it but it loses its medicinal properties so before they go through all that process cacao is incredibly medicinal and the Aztecs and Mayans knew this and cacao found me like you know it's people are like oh when did you find cacao and blah 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 I'm like well it's like a puppy you know when you go and there's a bunch of puppies and you're which one do I want? And the one that run towards you, you're like, okay, you chose me. That's how I felt um, with cacao. Cacao found me. I didn't know cacao exists in such a form. I only knew of cacao via cacao nibs that you would put on your smoothie bowl, right? And now that I've been able to work with cacao and work with a medicine woman with cacao for a, quite a long time now, I am just beaming every time I can just think about it now and I get excited. I don't even have to sip my cacao. But what cacao did for me was sipping, you make it into a, like a hot chocolate situation, right? And you drink it and it truly does open your heart. It Cacao, she gave me the biggest motherly warm hug that I didn't know existed. I felt so loved for the first time and safe and supported. I felt like I had this um, like safety net that I could, I could just re relax back into and then think clearly and see what do I actually want. Because, because when you're in a safe space, that's when you can truly, I think, feel and listen to your truest self. Because if we're in a threat mode, we are not worried about creativity. We are not worried about our dreams and aspirations. We're worried about survival. And the body actually sends blood to our extremities, it increases our heart rate because we're getting ready to run away from danger. This is not a time 
before planning and repairing and dealing with our heart wounds, right? So what cacao does is helps us vasodilate. So we're going to calm down, lower blood pressure, and we get a little bit of stimulus because we get an increased heart rate from that theobromine. But we're releasing endocannabinoid um, anandamide in our body. Phenethylamine gives us this self-love feeling. And we're increasing our serotonin and dopamine, right? All these feel-good chemicals in our brain and body. So now we're in this space of yes. What can I create here? What do I actually want to listen to? And it is a full-bodied experience. It's not some like, you know, psychedelic drug where people like go off and you're separated from your body. No, it's very internal. And you feel so attuned with yourself inside. So that it's not so far off then when you wake up from your meditation or you finish sipping your cup of cacao. It's like, whoa, whole new world. No, I'm like ready to integrate. And that's a great. She gives you this earthy grounding anchor, but also lets you fly free high into the sky with that safety net intact. And so it's practical. It's useful. And you use these experiences then to make changes in your life. It's not so far-fetched or therapeutic where it's very heady, right? Because how can we, if all of our disturbing thoughts are in our head, how do we change them from the same disturbing thoughts in our head? We need to come from like a deeper somatic place, from the body, to let the body tell the brain it's okay and let's make changes. And working with cacao and seeing others with cacao, whether they're dealing with addictions or relationship issues or personal self-worth issues, it's with, with one cacao session, you're like, huh, all right. I can see where there's light at the end of the tunnel now. And it's delicious. It's chocolate. <laughs> I know you love it. Well, That's amazing. So I am like, yes, I am a big lover. I am a big, big cacao lover. I have medicinal cacao in here and I even uh, am running a cacao ceremony on Friday as well because like, uh, as we spoke before, for me, the best thing is just chocolate. So I'm a chocolate lover. So for me, cacao is just my medicine and I know that. Uh, but I'm curious to know how you use it in terms of, for example, do you have a cup of, of cacao every single day in the morning as like a little ritual? And also, what do you feel um, that, like, how do you feel people are using it? Because we cannot really compare a normal, let's say, next Nestle cacao to like a medicinal, really amazing uh, quality cacao, right? And people might just drink a normal cacao in everyday life, but it might not have the same effect on you as the real raw stuff, yeah. right? Where you really cook it and you do it with intention as well. So I am a big believer in like the medicine of cacao. So I don't really use it as like, okay, I just want to have a cup of cacao. I'm just going to drink it and whatever. It's more like, okay, if I do the ceremony in terms of like raw cacao and I have, you know, really good quality from Peru or whatever, then I really intend before I drink it, I have, I set an intention. I really bow to it. I do it with reverence rather than, because of course I sometimes just have cacao to, to drink just to warm myself up during winter. But that's a different story for me, at least uh, personally, than actually working with it as the medicine. So yeah, I'm curious, like how you use it. And also what do you think about um, using it kind of like, let's say recreationally? Well, it's exactly what you said. Cacao is a medicine. She is a sacred medicine. And every time I sip cacao, I by all means set an intention, and I thank the Mayans and the Aztecs. I thank the spirit of cacao. I thank those around the world who are sipping cacao as well. And that is how I drink cacao and how I share cacao. I, I don't use cacao recreationally. I've tried. And... <laughs> I felt the repercussions. Cacao was like, no, you can't do that with me. I remember it was the day after um, my, or morning after my sister gave birth and I'm, I was her doula, right? So we were up all night and obviously a lot happened. And I came home and I was like, ah, I just want to relax, right? I'm just going to have a cup of cacao. But I was exhausted. We were up all night. She gave birth. I, she's, you know, obviously way more exhausted than I was, but it was still an event, right? And I wanted a quick comfort, and I literally made a cup of cacao. I went in my room and I drank it. And I didn't really make an intention or anything. I just like slugged it down. I had the worst stomach ache after that. Because I abused cacao. And she was like, no, no, no. You know that's not how I work. I am a medicine. If you overdose on your medicine, would you overdose on your medicine? And what happens when you do overdose on your medicines, right? 
And so that was my lesson of trying to cut corners and it didn't work out so well. And so cacao is a sacred spiritual plant medicine. You can replace your coffee with cacao. People do it, right? They are sipping it like coffee and they feel great. They're getting the energy from the theobromine. It's a cousin to caffeine and it just gives you like a body high because it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, right? It's giving you clarity and focus. But maybe that was their intention. I personally am, I just, I don't see it correct or right. Or if there's, you know, people want me to do cacao ceremonies at like a party or something. If there's alcohol there, I'm not serving cacao. I'm not going to allow you to abuse yourself with alcohol in such a way, even if you're not abusing the alcohol, but ingesting the alcohol and mixing it with the purity of nature of cacao. And it, I don't think that'll go very well because she enhances everything in your system. So who knows what could go, go on in that one. But um, I sit with my cacao. I light a candle most of the time. If I decide to go to the beach or something, I don't light a candle. But um, if I am home in my room, I pull out my little altar. I light my candle. I sage. I hold cacao to my heart and I set my intention for whatever I need that day. And then I slowly, I smell the cacao. I make it a full-bodied, full-sensory experience. Because most of your taste is your smell anyway. So if you're able to smell the cacao already, I'm like, ah. And then I usually <laughs> do some breath work. I find mixing breath work and cacao really enhances the experience for me and something that I, I need to do. So um, I'll usually do a... Lately, I've just been on a like a nice slow inhale, a nice slow exhale through the nose kick. And then I have my drum as well. And maybe I'll just start to ohm a little bit. Very monotonous um, things. Nothing crazy. You don't need to be doing all these, you know, like, okay, do two of these and three of these and one of these. and blah, 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 blah. That's like too much, right? Keep it simple. We want to listen to the simplicity that we have in ourselves. And... However long that takes for me, maybe it's a 20-minute practice. Sometimes it's an hour and a half. Because sometimes I will just, I'm so exhausted, I will just need to put on my headphones and lie down and listen to some instrumental music. And I'm like, all right. Now, what did I learn from this? And then mm. I close, and I thank the spirit of cacao. I thank myself. And I thank for whatever came through on my little journey today. Boink. And then we continue mm. on. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I feel like it's like the, this with every medicine that we are taking in, even weed. I feel like weed is so abused recreationally, whereas it's such a beautiful medicine. It's the same with cacao. It's the same with mushrooms. It's even the same with MDMA. With so many different substances that we could use for our healing for as a medicine and then it would be a completely different story how our body reacts to it how our soul reacts to it if we just put intention and reverence and sacredness to all of that because if you know i know a lot of people who have done uh, different things like mushrooms or other substances without the whole spiritual sacred ceremony around it and then when they did it with me for example with all this spiritual stuff going on they were like oh my god this is crazy like i've never experienced anything like that and i've taken so many things on so many parties but if you don't create the sacred space then your experience is going to be completely different so for your recreational cacao sure you can have a sip with honey and and milk and it can be good and it can be comforting during the winter but if you really are seeking the medicine then you need to create space for this medicine to connect to you and to really be pure um, as you said before so yeah i love everything that you shared and i work with cacao similarly i really take my time to connect to it and to really take it in and to um take in all the lessons as well that are coming from that because there is always a lesson uh, there is always something that we can learn from the medicine or even if it's just uh, a subtle um, insight or subtle change in our brain in our mind and uh, our perspective on things so yeah that's uh, super beautiful thank you so much for sharing all that i i'm just so excited to talk about this because uh, i just love cacao so much so how did how fast did you find that cacao works on you when you drink it when you drink your cup like is it instant that you feel the changes in your body or does it take some time i would for say you? i'll like um, 15 minutes or so i'll peak and that's for me i i'm quite sensitive so i so a, a ceremonial dose right i have two big tablespoons 
Some people say it's 42 grams, which I think is a ton of cacao. And I was taught through the medicine moon 27 grams. So that's about two heaping tablespoons. I only do one. If I'm going to do two tablespoons, I need to have my medicine woman or someone facilitating for me because <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, and I, I have been in the situation where like when I was, when I first found cacao with the medicine woman, I did my first ceremony with her. Um, I went back for 10 weeks straight. It was like all the therapy of my life I never had. Right. And thank goodness for her. I would only do cacao with her because I couldn't bring myself back sometimes because I was, I would let myself go to that place. And, um, where now I, I only do half cause I'll have cacao quite often, right? Not just once a week. And so I'm obviously, um, understanding I'm not going to overdo it for my body, but some people could maybe do, I don't know, 42 grams of ceremonial dose and be completely fine. That upsets my stomach as well. Cause that's just a lot of nutrients going into my body at that time. But I, um, sorry, what was your question? I just got lost in cacao world. <laughs> <laughs> that's completely fine. I mean, we all get lost in the cacao world. <laughs> We're like, Let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't had cacao today, but that's the thing. So, cacao once cacao has opened up these doorways within me. Now we start talking about cacao. I'm like cacao drunk right now. If that's a thing, I don't know what you call it. I'm I'm so uh, alive inside from even just thinking about cacao. The the medicine of cacao and her capabilities for us. And like you said, mm. it truly depends. Some people are you know because you can order cacao online medicinal cacao from different countries right and people are like meh I'm like no like come do a ceremony with me because when you learn the intention and the rituals that are surrounding it that's so much a part of what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it if your intention is not clear you're going to get like a muddled kind of situation if you are pinpoint clear on your intention and truly speak it from your heart space to cacao well, you're going to get a very clear answer back. It may not be the one you wanted, but you will absolutely find clarity. Do you find that same thing? Yes, absolutely. Clarity always, because it also affects not only heart, but I feel like it also affects uh, third eye chakra. So clarity and just like uh, vision for me, it's, it's yeah, it's quite vivid yeah. <laughs> after drinking cacao. But I actually haven't done it for like for a while now. So I'm super excited for Friday because I'm going to uh, have it finally. But yeah, I feel like it's such a yeah, such a beautiful, beautiful medicine. And I'm super curious to know from the neuroscientific standpoint, how does cacao affect us? Yeah, so the she's incredibly nutrient dense, right? That's why she's a superfood. And they used to give the, the warriors before they went to war the Aztecs, I believe, of some cacao, and they would be fine all day. And their opponents were like, why are they still going? Like, you should be tired by now. Cacao. And um, so magnesium is the main, I would say, the largest claim to fame for cacao. And magnesium we need for over 320 enzymatic processes in our body. Magnesium is like an Epsom salt bath, right, to relax the muscles and all of that. That's magnesium. Also, magnesium um, is great for circulation. It Most of our magnesium in our body goes for the health of our heart. So cacao is excellent for heart health. If you are on um, strong heart medications, we have to be careful. Same thing with antidepressants because one of the other constituents in cacao is it's an MAOI inhibitor. And what that does is um, similar to an antidepressant, some antidepressants, what they do, they block the reuptake of say that serotonin gets released into our body to make us feel good. And people who are depressed have less serotonin being released. So these MAOI inhibitors, what they do, they block the reuptake on those neurons, on the cells, so that the serotonin is floating in the synapse longer, so we feel happy longer. That's how antidepressants work. Cacao does the same thing and adds more serotonin because she has the precursor to make the serotonin um, molecule, the precursor of... Um, serotonin and dopamine is in cacao therefore we can now make our own production if that is an issue with us maybe we don't have enough to make serotonin or if we have a really leaky gut and unfortunate situations happening down here remember that's where most of our serotonin is made if that factory is not working that's going to affect our mood and so cacao is an antidepressant cacao is excellent for heart health cacao also um 
has anandamide, which is our bliss molecule. And anandamide, I think, is pretty pretty related to the third eye, is from what I, um, I feel, and scientifically, you know, the third eye and bliss and all those things, right? So anandamide is our natural endocannabinoid. So what THC, the CBD receptors that it binds to, this is what anandamide binds to as well. So we get that blissful feeling or that runner's high. There's now new science saying that the runner's high is actually more phenethylamine than anandamide. But either way, you're getting, if you can relate to that sensation, if you haven't had cacao before, that, that runner's high, you're in your flow state. That is something cacao can aid us in as well. And so again, what actions or decisions can we make from this place? What actions can also be inactions of just taking time to be right here, right now? Because when we decrease our anxiety, we're not thinking about the future. When we decrease our depression, we're not thinking about the past. So where else is there to be? Right here, right now. Um, she also has iron and phosphorus and copper and zinc. And the fact that medicinal cacao is 54% fat, the fat-soluble vitamins that are in cacao are also now able to get into our body. So vitamin A, vitamin K, vitamin D, all the, you know, for the immune system, for our breathing, because it's a vasodilator, so we're increasing our heart rate, we're getting more oxygen floating around our body, more oxygen to the body, now means more oxygen to the brain, and we get headaches when we don't have enough oxygen to the brain, or we can pass out and all these fun different things that can happen to us when our um, circulatory system isn't working properly. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much for that explanation. This uh, really makes a lot of sense. I mean, I just can feel the cacao medicine. I don't know what exactly is like happening in our body and what exactly it brings me. So I'm really, really excited to know right now and excited to share it with the others as well uh, on the ceremony because, yeah, truly you can feel the effects of this beautiful medicine on you. So, yeah, that's so amazing. Thank you so, so much. And so uh, I have one last little question. If someone is really interested to breathe move and recover uh, as your motto says <laughs> what is the best way to contact you and to find you and to maybe uh, work with you because uh, yeah you're so knowledgeable in so many different ways that a lot of people might be interested to uh, meet you and to talk to you yeah I, I love sharing and educating people because again it's like we build our own toolboxes and then we have a bunch of tools to pick from when the time is necessary right um so the best place, if you would like to work with me or you have questions or if I could guide you into something, a path that you're looking for, you can reach me. Um, my email is Casey at CaseyMorrow.com, C-A-S-E-Y at C-A-S-E-Y-M-A-U-R-O.com. My website is www.CaseyMorrow.com. And my social media Instagram handle is Casey underscore Morrow. And my YouTube channel, uh, I actually have no idea what my YouTube channel is, but I, I'm pretty sure it's just under my name, Casey Marrow. <laughs> 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 I have no idea what it is. Maybe it's Casey Cacao. <laughs> Maybe someday it will be Casey Cacao, but right now it's uh, it's Casey Morrow. <laughs> so yeah, I would love to connect with as many people as I can from around the world, you know, traveling the world and tasting all the different cacaos, they're all slightly energetically different as well. And so understanding someone's uh, purpose for wanting to work with cacao or wanting to improve their health or create routines and rituals in their life is really important because then if we decide to work with the cacao, they go, ah, Bali cacao is the one for you. Or ah, this Guatemalan cacao, or this ancestral grade Guatemalan cacao, or this Costa Rican cacao. We've, we've got it all stocked here in the States at the moment. <laughs> And it is, it's those fine intricacies, understanding it, intellectualizing it, so that we can just embody it and then become, become the best version of ourselves. So the science is great, but we just then let that go. And just like you said, even if we don't know all the science, it's just like, but I feel it. I know, because this intelligence is much smarter than this intelligence. Mm, thank you so so much it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you and I'm even more excited now about cacao than I was which I didn't think was possible <laughs> I just love it so much so thank you so much for sharing everything and I'm yeah super grateful sending you so much love and gratitude for this chat uh -huh. 
Thank you so much, beautiful souls, for listening to us, cacao lovers. <laughs> it's really great that you're uh, listening to us. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, it's We Are Soul Fam. You can find us and see all the snippets of people that uh, I've been speaking to. And if you'd like to follow me, I am The Connection Catalyst. I also have my Polish Instagram with more of a travel uh, stuff and uh, content in Polish. That's uh, Karolina.Kuraj. Uh, A-R-O-L-I-N-A dot K-U-R-A-J. <laughs> that's complicated. That's why I have a separate uh, Polish Instagram account and English in- Instagram account. And I'm super grateful um, that you are with us. And stay tuned for the next episode.